Welcome guest to Let's See That Again. I am your butler and host, Andrew Wadesworth Gonzalez. And with me is my co-host, Colonel Daniel Mustard Sullivan. And this week, we investigate the 1985 cult classic, Clue. accent was atrocious but you know what? we're gonna keep it <laughs> i don't give a fuck <laughs> and for people listening if dan doesn't cut this out yes i know that was a terrible accent and fuck you <laughs> i mean that's kind of the the running gimmick here lately <laughs> <laughs> what with me yeah in- increasingly poor accents and impressions. <laughs> I'm realizing more and more while I do these podcasts, I cannot do accents. And I used to think that I was really good at accents, but hearing myself in the mic while I edit and stuff, I just am constantly shaking my head. No. Yeah, I wasn't lying, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniel Mustard, Clue, this is your first time seeing this movie. What'd you think? So I, yeah, I had actually never, I definitely am not in the target demographic for this movie because not only have I never seen it, despite it being out for 35 years, I've actually never played the game Clue. So I'm sure there's a lot of uh, like, you know, nods and and things like that that just were totally over my head. Um, Overall, I, I did like the movie. Um, I like, I like the cast a lot. Um, I did find parts of it maybe a little, I guess, I guess flat is what I, what I describe it as Uh, the whole movie itself feels more like a, like a play that's just been recorded with cameras than a, than a film, just like the way the actors act and, and interact with the set pieces and stuff like that. So it was definitely interesting. Um, But I liked it. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I love about it. It's got that that play vibe, and I think that's what they're trying to set up as, you know, I don't know if dinner murder parties were a thing at this time, but it seemed like that's kind of the atmosphere they were going for. Um, but well, I know I'm, the, I'm s- the the director Jonathan Lynn actually was a theatrical director before this, and this was his first. Um, like film that he'd actually directed. So I think that was a big part of why it had such a, uh, I looked this up afterwards and I, it, it makes a lot of sense that that's why it kind of felt like watching a play because that's probably how he was used to like interacting with the actors and stuff like that. That's very true. And I, um, you know, if you've ever seen any of his other movies, you kind of see the same style, especially in my cousin Vinny. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. There's a lot of like back and forth in, in the story. That was really the only other movie that he made that I was even familiar with. And I did really? like my cousin Vinny. Yeah, I didn't really like I don't think I've seen any of his other work. I was looking through it and it wasn't really standing out. 
Not even uh, the whole nine yards with Bruce Willis and uh, what the fuck is his name from Friends? Oh, Ch- I did Chandler see that. Chan- Chandler from Friends. I did see that. Okay. I will say that movie I actually didn't care for, but I do like My Cousin Vinny. It's a great movie. The whole nine yards. Eh, it's all right. Yeah, I was yeah. never, you know, I, I was never a big fan of that movie. I've definitely seen it before. Um I couldn't even really tell you the plot. I, I I know someone's supposed to kill someone, but I forget how it works out. I know Amanda Pete's involved. I don't really remember the plot of that movie at all, though. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies where, um, again, I'm just going to call him Chandler. I know the actor's name. I just can't think of it right now. Um, it's pretty much one of those movies, you know, we have a grounded character and all these crazy things are happening around him, but seem to be OK with the universe that they're in. But he's just like, oh, my God, like right. murder. I think Matthew so, Perry is his name. Yes, Matt Perry. Okay. Matt Matt Perry Bing. Just like, like my name is Wadsworth. Like Bing I had Wallace. the name Perry in my head and I was like, I know it's not Luke Perry. I almost said David Arquette. <laughs> but <laughs> I, no, I'm completely wrong because that is not David Arquette. No. He's a way better actor than David Arquette. Although they both did smooch Courtney Cox. Yes, they did. Ow, ow. Just one was scripted and one wasn't. Maybe it was all scripted. Maybe. That's just Hollywood for you, buddy. Technically, I think he did kiss her in Scream as well. So, yeah, they both kissed her scripted as well. Well, David Arquette. All, All right. All right. All right. Andrew's wrong. I get it, Dan. This is the game we're playing. But you know what game we're supposed to be playing? Clue. Monopoly? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see that movie starring Donald Trump. <laughs> Go directly to jail. Do not collect $200. <laughs> He's just the picture of the guy in jail. <laughs> Hopefully one day. <laughs> just color it in with an orange marker. <laughs> so you know what shocked me about this movie? That the budget was $15 million and they only made 14.6 in the box office. I, growing up and me now, like this is a cult classic, but I didn't know it bombed when it was in the movie theaters. I think part of it was the part of it was like the, the gimmick that they included with the theatrical release. Um, because I didn't I didn't know this at all, but I like at the end they show the the alternate versions uh, the alternate endings. Yeah. And and when it was in theaters, they wanted that to have like a vibe like when you play the game because you always get different outcomes. So they wanted it to be similar where you could watch the movie multiple times and not get the same results. So different theaters got different endings. So they didn't all show all three when it was originally in production. Um, not in production, when it was originally in the box office. So depending on what theater you went to on what day, you would see a completely different ending. And see, I thought that was amazing. And when I found that out when I was younger, I thought that would that's what made this movie mean more to me because that that's such like a cool thing to do, because you got to think about it. If people like this movie, but you went separately to different theaters and then you get into a conversation about it, just I would love to have been in that room just seeing the two people have the conversation be like, no, 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 that's not the ending. This is the ending. Unless especially. Especially in the 80s before the internet or anything like that, because you couldn't really verify if there were other endings. So you'd just be like, I think Bill's full of shit. I don't think he saw a clue. 
And that's so cool, though. But I also read that because they did the gimmick, that's actually what might have got them close to what their budget was, because people who actually liked the movie ended up hunting out the other theaters once they found out to get the alternate endings. Oh, interesting. So I don't know how accurate that is, but I, I found one article that mentioned that and I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. But that makes me more sad that this movie wasn't as uh, a hit at the time as it is now, because now it's it's a huge it's a classic. It's, you know, I know you haven't seen it until recently, but it's definitely one of those movies that is held as one of the greatest movies to me of all time. Hell, the cast alone is fucking amazing i feel like tim curry is kind of the the master of the the cult classic you know what i mean with like rocky Rocky horror picture and all that which also i have not seen oh man you know we're gonna start out (laughs) we gonna have like a tim curry month because i guarantee you and i and if i'm wrong i bet you haven't even seen legend i don't think so actually it's like a it's like an elf type movie with Tom Cruise. He's like a elf type character and uh Tim Curry p- plays like this demon like huge horned looking guy. Like it doesn't even look like him and it, hmm. it, it his performance is amazing. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't think so. No, it's not ringing oh. a bell. Oh man. Oh man. Yep. We we we'll plan it out at some point. We'll have a Tim Curry month and you bet your bottom dollar Muppets treasure Island will totally be on that list. Oh yeah. When I was I f- always, I was always mildly afraid of Tim Curry when I was little because I first saw him in it when I really shouldn't have been watching that movie. So another classic. Of, yep. So whenever I heard his voice, it always just kind of reminded me of Pennywise and like, I, you know, I still enjoyed him in Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, I'm sorry, Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was always part of me that was just like, he's going to eat everyone. <laughs> he should have been Jack Black. I mean, <laughs> Jack Sparrow <laughs> in Pirates of the Caribbean. It would have been way better. I thought it at least would have been cool if they had him instead of uh, what's his name from the Rolling Stones as like the older pirate later on. Yeah. Um, Keith, Keith Richards, maybe Keith Richards. Is that who did it? Yeah. Yeah. And ugh. I remember they built that part up for fucking ever, like before it even the movie was even being filmed. They said like, oh, Keith Richards is going to be Johnny Depp's father because that's who he based the character off of, and it ended up just a small part. And, you know, if we ever do Pirates of the Caribbean, because it is kind of nostalgia to me, we're only doing one of them because one of them is only good. And that was the yeah, first the, one. Yeah, the first one. The first one I saw in theaters probably three times. Like, I really, really liked it, and the others were just... So Very disappointing. disappointing. So disappointing. And the, I I will own the first one and I watched it so many times and I could not wait for the sequels. And then it just because, you know, I, you know what? We'll save that for if we ever do that, because we can get I can go on about that movie. So you said you never played the game Clue. Um, I used to play Clue with my brother all the time. He had Simpsons Clue because, you know, it's one of those games that everybody had like, you know, it's like Monopoly and all that stuff. It's not as popular. 
it's pretty much the same premise as this. You notice how they have the weapons. Yep. And and then I mean, the I end. know the I, I know the premise of the game, like um, the actual like the murderer and the weapon and stuff are in like an envelope. And you find out at the end after everyone makes a guess. Um, I've just yeah. never played it. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite board game or even close to a game that i like to play like if somebody wants to bust it out and play i'll play i think it's also because it's one of those games i've never won i've never won clue (laughs) i hate not winning in clue and uh yeah it's definitely not one of those board games i search out but this movie though oh i fucking love this movie so let's get into it dan so of course you know this was actually the first movie based on a board game as well Oh, really? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. But that makes sense because uh, I can't even think. Well, how many games are actually based on a board game? Well, I know they did uh, I mean, movies. M- movies more recently. They did a, a battleship movie. I've, n- I've never seen it. I don't yeah. know how you would make a movie out of that and have it be tied in with a game. I'm sure I it was think, just real loose affiliations. I think aliens are involved. and <laughs> Just like in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so yeah that's why we don't have many and there was a huge gap between those time frames you sunk my star destroyer (laughs) i think harrison ford was actually in battleship or um uh, what's his name i have a i have a series of skills what's his fucking name he was uh quigon jin oh um liam nielsen Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Liam Nielsen. Oh my god. What's wrong with me today? Um so the opening scene of this movie, I fucking loved the joke that it sets up. I I love the jokes in this fucking movie. Um, you know, Tim Curry pulls up to the house, he, you know, there's a dog, he throws a bone at him, and then he looks at his shoe, and then he looks at the dog. And then I just love how every time the first guests walk in or anybody he interacts with afterwards is like, <laughs> and looking oh, the under poop, the, the poop sh- sniff. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking loved that joke. There's a lot of good, I think, jokes in this in this movie. They um, definitely did did something with that joke that I I really appreciate when when they do it in comedies is they they basically beat it to the point where it's not funny anymore and then keep doing it so it becomes even funnier than originally because they just keep forcing it oh yeah and um i think with the this cast they had at the time um delivered delivered it so well because like every time they would beat the joke it was still like they were it was refreshed like that you know it sounds like it was a fresh joke you know what i mean yeah and i ne- I never knew this movie was supposed to take place in new england either yep they don't they're very vague on where they are you know um a lot of talk about washington dc so I, I know they don't mention like a specific town in New England, but I did a little digging and they do mention Route 41, which um, goes through Connecticut and Massachusetts. So Hill House would have to be in one of those two states. I would say probably more towards Connecticut, the way that it's yeah. like very isolated and a lot of trees and the terrain looks very rough, especially in the rain. 
um, foreshadowing there. Yeah, they got way too many trees in Connecticut. So I know you discussed the cast. Do you want to go over the cast? Sure. Um, back from our last episode is the fabulous Mr. Christopher Lloyd as uh, what is it? Professor Plum. Is that his name? Yes, he plays Professor Plum, which he is very pervy in this movie. He's super pervy. Like with it, within the first two minutes of him being on screen, he's grabbing um, somebody's butt. What was it? Miss Scarlet? Miss Scarlet. Yeah, he's grabbing her butt. And he's staring at people's boobs. There's a lot of boobs flopping around in this movie, too, I noticed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yvette, <laughs> the maid. Yes. Yeah, Leslie Ann Warren as Miss Scarlet. Um, when they introduced them, her to, like I remember when I was a kid, I had the hugest crush on her pretty much because of Miss Scarlet. And uh, speaking of the maid, that was played by Colleen Camp. And um, she actually wasn't the first choice for the part. There were a few other people. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Demi Moore, and Madonna were all considered for the role. Um, but Colleen Camp actually showed up for her for her audition wearing a French maid outfit. And that kind of put her over the top. Yeah, I, I, I read that. I heard that she knew who her um, competition was. And she just did whatever she could to figure out the best way to get the part. You know, I heard she showed up in the maid outfit and was like in full character voice and everything. And they loved her. And they were just, I'm, I'm glad because I feel like, you know, she's not a well, well-known actress. And I feel like adding Madonna and, and I could go on about Madonna's acting. She's all right, but I just feel like she would have it wouldn't have been as comical and i feel like she would have probably um, yeah I, I i agree i think i think madonna would have been a an odd choice um especially given uh like her popularity at the time she definitely would have overshadowed the rest of the cast as far as um you know cuz christopher lloyd wasn't even really that popular yet this was before like right before Back to the Future got released. So people just mostly knew him as the weird guy on Taxi. Which was also a fucking awesome show. Yeah, we see this and we're like, look at all these legends. And then we're, but if you think of the time, they, a lot of these actors were just kind of starting mm-hmm. out, you know? Although some of the actors, um, I, I feel like I just know them from very, very specific roles. Like, um, like Colonel Mustard, Martin Mull, he's always going to be um, the the print either the principal it. from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, yep, or or Gene Parmesan yep. from Arrested Development. Those those that's who I know him as. He's Gene Parmesan, or I cannot think of his name. Um, but yeah, that originally the the principal from the Sabrina series with Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, yeah, he. He he's always the principal to me from um Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He also did have a role in a recent movie. I forgot what it was called. It was about National Lampoon, like the main okay. creator. And he played the main creator. Oh, as it was a, like a mockumentary like type thing, right? And kill him. I've Yes. With um Joe McHale, isn't it, I believe? Joe McHale is in it as yep. Chevy Chase. And then we have Will Harmon. Is it Will Harmon? Am I? No, I don't think. Maybe I'm. What the? F- 
Um, last, why am I being terrible on my actor names? Uh, last man. Last. Uh, you mean last man on earth? Is, yeah, last oh, man on um, earth. Will Forte. Will Forte. Yeah, Will Forte. He he um he was in that too, and it's a great movie. Uh, again, folks, I don't remember the name of that movie, so good luck finding <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, but again, the cast here, you know, you, you mentioned, um, Christopher Lloyd. I mentioned Leslie Ann Warren. We mentioned Colonel Mustard, whatever the Mar- hell his Martin name Mull. is. <laughs> I know I, I have it right here. I just make it a joke because we, you know, Sabrina's principal, but my favorite, uh, one of my favorites is Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn, such a classic, like, Mrs. White, like she, her acting range is amazing. R.I.P. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us. And she actually had, she has the only improvised line in the whole film as well. The, uh, the flames on, on the side of my face line. Why don't you reenact it, Dan? Give us a I didn't taste. write down the quote, so I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I think I think I have it right here. Yes, actually. I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It it the it flame flames flames on the side of my face, breathing breath heaving breath. It's so un it's crazy because I would I would think that uh a lot of the things in here were were improved. She does have a, a lot of good quotes. Um this whole movie is filled with really good one-liners though. I I laughed way too long at the uh the Tim Curry like quip when they ask him like who he is and he says, "I'm the butler." And they're like, "Well, what do you do?" And he's like, "I buttle, sir." <laughs> I buttle us. <laughs> I had that on my notes too. Yeah, I, I I wrote down a lot of quotes on my notes as I'm going through here and seeing. I I also want I like the the dialogue between um Tim Curry and uh Madeline Kahn where she's like he's like your first husband dis- also disappeared. That was his job. He was an illusionist, but he never reappeared. He wasn't a very <laughs> good illusionist. <laughs> like, like the little jokes there. It, you know, uh, I've seen this movie so many times and just just laughing and I, I was laughing so hard again. I laughed so hard at this, even at the point I was dying where when her Mr. Plum, Mrs. White and Mr. Plum are the soup slurping it at dinner. <laughs> so as someone that watched this new because, you know. I I've seen this a hundred times, so I know what happens. Were you kind of like, um, you know, as as the night was going on, did you have any idea who might have killed who? Um, were you trying to figure it out, or were you just too wrapped up in like what was going on? Um, I was I was kind of leaning heavily on the trope, and I was assuming the butler did it the whole time. I definitely wasn't expecting like the the Wayne's world Scooby-Doo ending. <laughs> <laughs> Which they should have done a Scooby-Doo ending. They should have pulled a mask off of somebody. That would have been really funny. I'm almost surprised that they didn't. Uh, <laughs> you're right. The way that everything was. 
Um, did you notice? And I'm wondering, you know how Mr. Green, he says that he, who, um, Mr. Green for Green from, you know, Spinal Tap. Uh, what's oh, Michael McKean. Name? I know him from, uh, uh he's Michael also McKean. in, do you ever see the movie Airheads? Yep. He's in Airheads. He's the, the isn't he the big producer? He's, he's like the owner um, of the record studio. Um, he, he's basically made made a career out of playing like the dickish white dude in 80s and 90s films. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because he's also a dick in Better Call Saul when he plays oh, Saul's right. brother. In Kurt. Yep. I didn't finish that, but he's in it and he is a fucking dick. But I like how uh, Mr. Green says his bro- his blackmail is that he's gay. Cause he, but he can't have people find out because he works for the government. He has a state government job and he doesn't want to lose it because he'll get fired for being gay. Now, at the end, he goes, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Do you think either he was lying about being gay or he's still trying to cover up the fact that he's gay? Well, he said it in front of the other cops, right? He said that he was going to go home and sleep with his wife in yeah. front of the other cops, but he said he was gay in front of everybody that was at at the. Um, so I, I think house. it was supposed to be like a joke that he's back to like covering up for it in front of the other cops because they don't know that he's gay. I mean, that's how I took it anyway, is that he like. Wa- that's how that's that's how I, I didn't really think of it until watching it again this time through. I was like, oh, you know what? I think he's just saying that to, to cover up and that they're going along with that. And uh, what, one interesting thing so. that I that I read about the, the set as well um, that I missed out on because I have never played the game. I guess they made a lot of like the secret passages and room layouts like true to the game. Is that did you notice that as like a player of the game? Yeah. 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 Uh- and I, I'm I'm loving that you have not seen this man because there's a lot of things that I know that I didn't like. I forgot to even write that down for the notes and stuff to discuss this on the podcast because, you know, I've seen it so many times. I've played the game. It's like, oh, secret passages because that's what the game is. So I love that this is all like fresh to you and, and new because, yeah, that's how that's how it was in the game. There'd be like a, a secret path you could take in one room to get to another room. It was it was kind of an easier because the way the board game set up, sometimes there's a lot of steps to get mm-hmm. to another room. So it's kind of cool that you have those secret passages. That's really cool that they incorporated that into the set. I thought the set was really, really nice, too. Um, I was surprised to learn that it was a set and not a house. The only actual um, house shots are like the exterior shot. And that that's the shot of it's called the Max Bush house. It's a... Um, like a big mansion that i think it actually burned down in 2005 um yeah oh really like i read that it was such like a big part of the community that people actually went and put like flowers and stuff like that on the the burn site where the house used to be um but the only parts that aren't set are the external shots and then the the ballroom everything else is uh is set pieces and um later on the the set pieces were actually recycled um let me see here. I took a note here. So after their production concluded, the mansion set was bought and redecorated by the producers of uh, of the movie Dynasty, and it was used as the uh, the Carlton Hotel in that film. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. I didn't know that. 
Well, I, I, I knew it was a set, but I, I didn't know that they re- they reused the pieces in other things. That's really cool, which makes I guess now that makes sense that those sets, you know, look like a lot of work was put into those sets. Oh, yeah. Uh, a friend, uh, a friend of my dad's actually, that's what he does out in Hollywood. He's like a um, like a construction worker that just wanted to get into the movie business. So that's literally what he does is he goes out and they'll be like. He just builds sets like rooms and buildings and stuff like that for films. And I remember when I was, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, He definitely like, you can tell he's been a a little too immersed in the business though. Cause like when he came out here and I was going and I was still in college, he was like, so what are you like, what are you guys shooting on in school or whatever? Like you guys got reds, like red is a a type of video camera, but they're like $30,000. So I was like, I was like, what do you like? Where do you think I go to school where they're giving me a $30,000 camera to like walk around with? At the time, I was driving like a 20 year old pickup truck living in my dad's basement. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's just yeah, it's like he's he's just so he doesn't know. He's probably just like, oh, well, we just that's just what we use. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I'm sorry. That's such like a cool job to have. Um, my landlord's daughter does prop, like uh, prop buying. Like they'll build the mm-hmm. the set, and then tell her to go out and find props that would work. Oh, that's for cool. Set. That's like s- such a cool job. Yeah, I should look into that. <laughs> I I'll drive around and look for props. <laughs> So, everyone, we're going to loosely go through the movie, but we're going to discuss it. If you haven't seen the movie, I highly suggest you just see it because it's a great movie. Uh, Dan seemed to like it for someone that's never seen it. I definitely enjoyed it. I mean, I really like individually the majority of the cast. So I kind of went into it already expecting to like it anyway. Um, But it definitely didn't disappoint. Like I said, some of the jokes fell a little flat. Um but I thought some of them were very clever as well. Like I really liked the other line. It was something along the lines of, um, I forget who, I forget who was saying it. I think it might've been Mrs. White talking about her husband. Um, but she says like, he threatened to murder me in public. And someone's like, why would he murder you in public? (laughs) (laughs) I think she meant he threatened to murder her, but it was in public. public. (laughs) But it was in public. I love that joke. The little things that they added to this, like, yeah, that was one of my favorites. I put that down. I like where they're uh, Tim Curry and um, Miss Scarlet are like counting the bullets, too. And they're like, one, two, one, one, two. I'm afraid your moment has come. Not so fast, Miss Scarlet. I do have a secret or two. Oh, yeah, such as? The game's up, Scarlet. There are no more bullets left in that gun. Come on, you don't think I'm going to fall for that old trick. It's not a trick. There was one shot at Mr. Body in the study, two for the chandelier, two at the lounge door, and one for the singing telegram. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. Uh Uh-uh. There was only one shot that got the chandelier. That's one plus two plus one plus one. Even if you were right, that would be one plus one plus two plus one, not one plus two plus one plus one. Okay, fine. One plus two plus one. Shut up! (laughs) That whole scene is so, so good. And I was even trying to keep up with the counting. I was just like, like one and two and two. I'm like, what? They're going so so fast. Um, there was a uh, one thing I also I wanted to bring up. Uh, the singing telegram girl. 
I am your singing telegram. Bang. Do you know who that is? Guitars from the Go Go's. Yes, it does. And I was like, I was like, she looks so familiar. Yep, I I believe she was also in the Surreal Life that that like celebrity, um, like Big Brother type show. I think it was called Surreal Life. Um, I have another character I really liked in this was Mrs. Peacock. Mrs. Peacock was good. <laughs> I love when <laughs> uh, there's a couple good jokes with her, like when she asks the she asks Yvette, uh, "Is there a bathroom in the hall?" Wee oui, wee. Oui. No, I just want to powder my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did think Yvette, Yvette had a really. Um, really bad like andrew quality french accent <laughs> i think that was the point what i didn't think it was that bad i mean you could you could tell yeah. that it was not a natural accent well later on she when she's in the dark she totally d- loses the accent she's like they don't know and i'm like wait she's well, I, just, really- I meant from like the beginning though it was yeah. just i mean I'm, I'm sure it was the whole the whole the whole movie's a bit over the top so i'm sure that was the direction they were going in i'm here uh, with the media <laughs> <laughs> see i was just as good the media. <laughs> you know who was almost cast as wadsworth instead of uh tim curry it would have been fucking weird as hell who uh, Mr. Bean. I forget the actor's real name. Uh, he, he, he was he was being considered, but he was more popular in like the UK and stuff like that. So they figured that uh, American audiences wouldn't take kindly to it or really uh, like appreciate it as much because they'd be like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Um, and Tim 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 Curry was actually a a, a good friend of uh, of Jonathan Lynn. So they ended up asking him to to be in it. And I think it was probably one of the best casting decisions that they made. He like everybody was great in that movie, but he like he was the key person that held that movie together. You know, he was the best character in that movie. Oh, yeah. And he's actually cited that um, that movie is one of the favorite one of the favorite projects that he's worked on. Tim Curry. Yeah, um, I heard I heard that because uh, a lot of it fans hope that uh, it was his favorite movie to work on. But I read a thing saying that he he's kind of just like when people say that's one of the greatest roles he's ever had. He kind of is always like, meh, uh, I wouldn't say it's my greatest. And they might do a remake, apparently. Of what? Of Clue. What? No, no, mm-mm. don't want it. Supposedly they're in the works with uh, Ryan Reynolds, who is supposed uh, to be producing and starring in it. And it's supposed to be um, also including like some of the writers that worked on on Deadpool, which is odd. Oh, and I bet you they're going to make him the butler or Mr. Buddy. Um <sighs> Folks, this goes down to like, you know, I've talked to Dan about this and Dan and I have talked about this many times. There's some movies that should not be fucking remade. Clue is one of them. And thank God the director and creator of Back to the Future is making sure he's been working on ways to make sure there's never remake, even if he dies. And it's just uh, 
this even goes back to the Ghostbusters dilemma. There's just leave them alone. Yeah, just make your own movies. Make your own shit. Like we make a movie that's kind of like kind of like Clue has maybe the same premise, but more of is like a like inspired by Clue. Don't call it Clue. Don't use the same characters. And it it just. It's just lazy. It, it's like if I if I decided I was going to be an author tomorrow and I'm like, all right, for my first book, I'm going to rewrite Moby Dick. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because, you know, you can do that with movies, but you can't do that with books. Can't rewrite a book. Can't do it with songs either. No, I can't do it with songs, but it, apparently it's OK to do it with movies, which I think is absolutely bullshit. It's like a terrible long- cover song. <laughs> Yeah, you just got to call it a reboot and make sure that it's nowhere near as good as the original and you're in business. And the and I like don't get me wrong, I like Deadpool and stuff, but when it's I hate when people try to justify and be like, "But it's from the director of Deadpool." And it's like, "Oh, so a completely different movie that is nothing like Clue or the director doesn't seem to have that particular style and finesse." finesse yeah Yeah, like the the genre is not anywhere close like at all one's you know granted they both are going to have some comedy elements but if if clue has ryan reynolds jumping around through explosions and shit like that it's going to be real weird yeah and that's the thing too you know i don't get me wrong i like ryan reynolds and things i've seen him in uh you know i feel like he never gets a lot of respect in in the remake of Amityville Horror, which is another remake, but he actually did a pretty decent job in it. But at the same time, he's huge now. I don't want huge actors playing. Like, if you're going to do a remake, why don't we get some um, people that aren't hugely known to play these characters? Where I feel like Ryan Reynolds would just like, oh, he's Tim Curry's character. That's who I am assuming they're going to cast him as. Um, well, I heard, I heard he was also a producer, so I'm sure he was like, well, I'm going to be in the film, too. Yeah. That's my that's my Ryan Reynolds impression. Yeah, I wonder if it was also- one of his passion projects. No, it sounded just like him. Ryan? Is that, is that you, Ryan? Where'd Dango? But that's that's that that saddens me because, um, you know, and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll maybe watch it when it's free on Amazon Prime or something and. And take a look at it and see what it's like. But I just feel like they're not going to be able to to mimic or because that, that, that's the thing, too. They're either going to try to mimic these these old actors, some of which no longer are alive, or they're going to try to take these characters and make them their own. And I'm not going to like that either way. Yeah, I, I never really enjoy remakes, like even even if the cast has people in it that I that I typically like. Like the other day, I don't know if you've seen this, but I tried to rewatch or I I haven't actually seen it, so I tried to watch for the first time the remake of Child's Play with Aubrey Plaza because I figured, hey, it's Child's Play, Aubrey Plaza, like why would I not like it? But they totally they totally changed the origin of Chucky and I could not get past it. I that's just what, that's what I heard Mark Hamill as Chucky really made me want to see it. Yeah, I was so excited for it. And then he's there. They completely take out the Charles Lee Ray aspect at all. He's not a serial killer trapped in a doll or anything like that. He's just it's like just coding went wrong in a robot doll. 
See, that's what I heard. I haven't seen it yet. I did kind of want to see it, but um, I wasn't sure. And I didn't want to look up too much, but it's fine. You spoiled it to me because I'm probably not going to see it because I heard it wasn't that good. I was kind of hoping that I would see it and they would mention the whole that. Yeah, it's a robot, but the murderer's ghost is still in it, which kind of ruins the whole child's play. Like, yeah, Charles Lee Ray is not at all involved as far as I saw. But I think that's also because I don't know if they have the rights to that particular character in the film because um, Chucky is a franchise on its own and Child's Play, uh, the rights, what is it, Paramount that does uh, Child's Play? I think so. Um, Owns the rights to Child's Play. So they were actually working on a Chucky film, I think, with the original um, actor it might be a film a next film or they're doing a, a series i, I know they're gonna- doing a series so that's probably yeah. what it was and they're and they're pretty much trying to be like nope this is different they, there's probably a lot of things that underwent where they were like nope you can't use this original lore you can't do this you can't do that you can't say this person's name you can't do the curse thing well i there hope was- they have him look the way he's supposed to in the tv series because i also fucking hate what they did to the way chucky looks i don't like it I don't like it. If you haven't seen it, Google it quick because it's going to make you so fucking mad. What uh, in the new Child's Play? Or yeah, the show. He looks the new Child's Play movie. He looks so fucking dumb. I hate it. He looks like the big boy. I remember th- I seeing a poster, but it was like a zoom in on half of his face. Uh, let me see. Um... You're gonna get so mad. I know it. Child's Play. I think he kind of looks like Chucky, unless I don't know if these are the right images. Child's Play 2019. Yeah, I I no, do. He looks terrible. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, folks, I know it sounds like we went on a tangent, but the point we're trying to make is that, you know, just leave leave things in the past alone. And honestly, though, Chucky didn't need all those sequels, too. Right. But especially the of Chucky. Oh my god. Ugh. Just what make a, your own fucking movies, people. If, make your if, own shit up. What a fucking train wreck of of a movie. Um so <laughs> getting back to Clue, uh <laughs> I think if you think about it kind of the writing to this was I would say and I'm not knocking it at all, was fairly simple and what made it great was all what made this script seem even greater was just the, all the misdirects and fast the fast-paced motion of the going into scene by scene, you know, really threw you off a lot like, you know, um Tim Curry with the key goes to throw the key, opens the door, there's a motorist at the door. <laughs> they have the lock the motorist in, he goes to throw the key out again and then something else happens. And I like the uh, the gag where Tim Curry is like running around in the house in the dark, too. And he opens up the door and he goes into the room and he's like, what's this? Another door. And he turns the knob and it's actually the knob, the like the faucet for the shower. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, that was also one of my favorite scenes when they all separate. <laughs> yep. And M- Mr. Green and Yvette's like got the less going on in their scene, but it's just like you go ahead. No, you go ahead. All right, I'll go. And then they just stand there. And then when it yeah. comes back to them, they're <laughs> still just standing there. Uh, 
One of my other favorite scenes is uh, when the police officer comes in and they all act like they're ha- they're partying. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Mustard, Colonel Mustard, and uh, Miss Peacock have the cook. And she's got her arms through the cook's arms and pretending she's like rubbing Colonel Mustard's back while the dead cook's between them. Yeah, in my uh, in my notes, I wrote weekend at Bernie's makeout session. <laughs> That's so true. That's so <laughs> true. Do you think that inspired weekend at Bernie's? I don't know. Did they which one came first? I think Weekend in Bernie's was late 80s, but I could be wrong because when I was younger, for some reason, my mom had Weekend at Bernie's 2. I've never seen Weekend at Bernie's 1. Uh, Weekend at yeah, Bernie's we- was 1989, so this was... Yeah, flu- t- 2 was 92, so yeah. Yeah, so this was after. Yeah, only seen Weekend at Bernie's 2, which is very bizarre. <laughs> That's the one where he's like got the voodoo curse, right? Yeah, and he dances. He like moves and dances and he's trying to and get it's, to it's the same body, right? It's still Bernie from the first one. Yeah. Wouldn't he smell horrible at this point? Yeah. He would be deep almost decomposed beyond belief. Yeah, he's yeah. just a corpse sitting out in the sun for weeks. Especially with everything he apparently went through that I've heard in the first one. Yep. Which I've heard, I think he fucks somebody while he's dead. Or someone fucks him. I think so. I I think it's... Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's similar to the clerk scene where they don't know that they're fucking a dead body. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Classy shit. Some classy shit. So what else do you want to talk to... Talk about with this movie, Dan? Um, so one other thing that I thought was pretty interesting is you mentioned, uh, Miss Scarlet was one of your favorites, right? Yes. Do you know who we almost got to see as Miss Scarlet? Oh, I had that in my notes. Um, why don't you tell me while uh, while I go to look? Oh, oh, Carrie Fisher. Star Wars royalty. Yep. Carrie Fisher was supposed to, but she ended up being, had to go to rehab, uh, when they were supposed to start filming and... Um, what's her name ended up getting the role instead, which I think Carrie Fisher would have also done really good in this role. Both of them are really good actresses. I just, I, I found that out actually recently researching this movie. Yeah, same. I did not know that. And I read originally they were still like, even though she went to rehab, they were going to like postpone and essentially like furlough her so that she could come back and resume the role um but the the productions like insurance company basically made them dismiss her from the project so then they recast the role you know with all these these big names at the time uh in the budget they had i bet you they were in how much money they ended up losing on this film in the box office i bet you they were really happy they didn't have these main act these big actors because madonna carrie fisher Demi Moore, well, maybe Demi Moore, and Demi Moore was probably very well known at that time, but probably not as much as Carrie Fisher and Madonna. Um, yeah, Carrie Carrie Fisher was probably one of the biggest stars at the time. Oh yeah, With- they would probably would have upped their had to up their budget to twenty mil or twenty five million because 
Especially for, Madonna. For her for her cocaine budget alone. For her cocaine budget alone. There would not be enough cocaine in the there would probably be a cocaine scene just so that they, you know, because Carrie Fisher probably Rest in peace. No disrespect. <laughs> oh, not at all. And not at little all. known little little known Star Wars fact, actually. Uh in Empire Strikes Back, all the all the snow on Hoth was actually cocaine. But they had to film it quick because as soon as Carrie Fisher was on set, all of a sudden Hoth <laughs> Hoth looked like Endor. <laughs> Where are all we keep the telling coca? you? It's not a desert planet. <laughs> I heard she really badly wanted to the role as uh Tony Monta- Montana in Scarface. She actually fought for that role. But then as soon as they told her that it wasn't real cocaine, she she dropped out. <laughs> i forgot what wow i was listening to a star wars podcast where every time they talk about an interview with uh carrie fisher she pretty much just talks about how much coke she did while filming those movies i love the the small role that carrie fisher had on um 30 rock do you remember the episode where she yep. was like the crazy uh, journalist that like th- uh i think journalists that that lemon was like inspired by it, but then really she's insane. Yeah. She like gets back to her apartment and she's like, you're just like me, Liz. You wake up and smoke weed and obsess over the Jamaican man across the hall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Carrie Fisher. She, 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 you know, we all know her more as like princess Leia and stuff, but she was like a really good comedian. She used to be a punch up uh, writer for, for jokes and stuff. And I think she did that a lot after um, Star Wars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She used to punch up a lot of scripts with like a lot of good jokes and stuff like that. Her daughter's a good actress too. And is like the spitting image of her. Well, she did a lot of the, um, um, the young CGI stuff of uh, Princess Leia in um the the newer Star Wars movies. Yeah, she was also on that show uh Scream Queens. Yep. And and as like an homage to her mom, her character always had like earmuffs on to kind of mimic the Princess Leia hairdo. Oh, really? I I never saw it, but I knew she was in it. Yeah, her character always had like earmuffs on. It was it was a cool little throwback sort of or reference or whatever you'd call it. <laughs> so we're going into a Carrie Fisher dive. <laughs> um, we should definitely at some point do some of the Star Wars movies and talk about them because there's a lot of movies I don't want to do in the Star Wars franchise mm. to the list. Fuck a lot of those movies. So we loosely based this, talked about this movie. We talked about everything that goes on. Great cast and everything. And, you know, we get through everything. We see the murders. Um, we don't see the murders, but we see everything go on. And then what we get, we get to our endings, which we briefly talked about. Now, the, this scene, Tim Curry, and I believe that's real sweat pouring off his face because God only knows how many takes there was supposed to be. Yeah, he's just running around. And there was supposed to be four endings. Um, there wasn't, the director doesn't remember exactly what happened, but it was supposed to be something along the lines where Tim Curry's character was supposed to poise, try to poison everybody. That was, that was going to be the one thing. So that's why we get the, uh, 
the line with Mr. Plum and <laughs> Mrs. Peacock, who I love screams constantly, which is like, <laughs> maybe she, maybe he, maybe he was poisoned. And she's like, ah, <laughs> Uh, yeah, because poison was one of the original weapons in the game that wasn't included in the boxes. Everyone gets gifted, right? I I didn't I didn't know um I didn't I don't I don't remember if poison is a playable weapon. I didn't think it was, but you could be right. I haven't played Clue in a long time. <clears throat> so so I re- I read that it was originally one of the weapons, and then it was taken out for a time, and then in the nineties it was reintroduced. Okay. Huh. I wonder if it's in my brother's uh game that we we've, we've played uh again it was Simpsons Clue. So <laughs> they might have they might have it in or not. I'll have to ask him. I'm supposed to see him later today. With poisoned cuz I I didn't think that that wow. I'm learning something new today, Dan. Speaking of uh of drinks, I just want to say that I really liked um the visual gag of of Colonel Mustard pouring the whiskey too. Do you remember that scene? Oh, when he goes, anybody want a whiskey? And he pours himself and he just, a tall he, glass, but then he just dribbles. Well, he just like in a real circular motion just kind of pours it over a bunch of glasses and makes this huge mess and gives everyone just like this little little sip, and he's got this big tall like triple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I did like that gag. I was just like, wow, he missed like every fucking glass. <laughs> like more of the whiskey ends up on the table than in the cups, and he just doesn't give a fuck. It made me want whiskey, even though drinking whiskey straight is pretty harsh. Yeah. Out of all the endings we got, you know, we get the first ending. Uh, you know, you killed Mister Body and killed the cook, and then was killed by Missus Scarlet. And then we get Mrs. Peacock is the murderer, which I was like, yeah, this is very less. They really want the females to be the murderers in this one. Uh, And, you know, the cook cooked her her favorite meal, which was monkey brains. Uh, I love how Mr. (laughs) Mr. Green walks by and goes, that's what we ate. (laughs) And uh, and I well, okay, I do love this ending because I love um. The ending of that ending where uh, Tim Curry goes, I always get my man. And Mr. Green goes, Mrs. Peacock was a man. And then everybody (laughs) slaps him. Is Mrs. Peacock also the one that's about to faint? And Tim Curry's like, fall into my arms. I'll catch you. And he he just makes his arms a loop and she falls right through. And he's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just totally drops her on the ground. He's like, "Sorry." <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, what's? I don't even know if, and I, I apologize if at the intro, guys, I in and ladies, I didn't mention Miss um, Peacock, who is Aline Brennan, who is who was great. Her character was awesome. Um, again, everybody played their character very good. And again, the ending scene, I love, I love the, the drooping through, uh, Wadsworth arms. That is a good scene. We didn't mention who, we didn't mention who played Mr. Body either. I thought the actor's name was, uh, pretty funny. Like his real name. Oh, I actually didn't put down the actor for that. Who, who was the actor for that? So, so the guy who played Mr. Body, his, his name in real life is Lee Ving. 
Lee's leave like leave and then ing leaving. Lee Ving. L E E is his first name and his last name is V I N G. So it's like leaving. That's that not that's not his birth name. No way. Yep. No, no, no. He he no. Unless his parents were just assholes. <laughs> Like he's he's supposed to be I forget he's from a band too so I don't know if that's just his stage name or what but that's what he's credited as Lee Ving I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to do some more research on Mr. Lee Ving at some point because <laughs> that that no that can't be his birth given name no way I call shenanigans Dan fucking Hollywood motherfucking shenanigans the other uh, the other funny play on words that I liked in this movie was when uh, Pro- Professor Plum, uh, Christopher Lloyd, is talking about his job and he says that he works for uh, the World Health Organization, part of the United Nates United Nations organization. Oh, so yeah. if you take if you take like the uh, the first letter of each word, it, it it works out to like he works for, you know, who you know, W.H.O. Oh, <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, so it's supposed to be like, a, oh, I work for you know who. I I actually laughed when it, like he said he worked for uh, the World Health Organization because you know I'm sure you listeners know with coronavirus and all this stuff going on. The what? <laughs> oh, Dan, <laughs> I did not tell you why we've been recording remotely. <laughs> There's a pandemic going on, buddy. A what? You haven't been going to grocery stores and licking things like counters and stuff still like you normally do, right? No more than usual. I I are you are you okay? Uh yeah, I've I've had this kind of nagging cough for a while. Why do you ask? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nine one one, nine one one, nine one one. Speaking of nine one one, that leads us into our final ending, which is going to be a little bit of a breather because I have decided to list out this ending in the way the game would probably be formed. Formed. <clears throat> so, everyone's the murderer. Mr. Plum killed Mr. Body in the hole with the candlestick. And I guess I accidentally went into the accent, but I decided to go with it. Was that Australian? (laughs) It's whatever you want it to be, Dan. (laughs) This is my moment. (laughs) (laughs) With the candlestick and the dingo. (laughs) Mrs. Peacock killed the cook with the knife in the kitchen. Colonel Mustard killed the motorist with the wrench in the conservatory. Mrs. White. (laughs) That sounded like Borat. (laughs) Mrs. White. My white. My my Mrs. White. (laughs) Mrs. White killed Yvette in the billiard room. (laughs) Mrs. Scarlet killed the cop. The copper in the library. Mr. Wordsworth, the butler, also known as Mr. Body, killed the singing telegram at the front door. Mr. Body. And you know what we learned? 
in this hole in every scene, Dan? Communism was just a red herring. <laughs> that was one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> so communism was just a red herring. <laughs> I love because, you know, it, it, it just brings you back to... I feel like in a lot of these movies, you're just like, oh, yeah, the fucking 80s. Whenever they mention Russia or communism or <laughs> Soviets and all that stuff. But this didn't take place in the 80s. You know, you know what I mean, right? For some reason, it also kind of brought me back to to Scooby-Doo again, just because uh, I don't know if you're did you ever watch a pup named Scooby-Doo? It was like the weird prequel series that they made that was actually kind of good um no what's that so it, so it was a an animated series in the early 90s i think that it was supposed to be like the whole mystery ink gang like as kids and they would still solve mysteries oh but, okay and fred was like a douche right yeah, so so Fred always there was like this chubby redheaded kid that Fred always assumed was the villain and his name was Red Herring. So it was like a another play on words because he'd always be like, Well, it's gotta be red and it wouldn't because he's a red herring. Um but that just made me think of, you know, another mystery show that uh, yeah, just that 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 word always reminds me of uh, a pup named Scooby-Doo for some reason because of that character, I suppose. But yeah, like I was saying, there there was one other little nod to the game that I didn't pick up because I hadn't actually played the game before, but I thought it was kind of interesting that they'd visually include it. Um, so I don't know if you picked up on this either, but when they introduce each character, when they're like first coming into the movie, the color of the car that they're driving matches whatever their game piece would be actually in the game so like colonel mustard drives a yellow 1954 cadillac uh mrs white drives a black and white 1950 uh, uh mg convertible mrs peacock drives a blue 1952 packard mr green drives a 1951 plymouth cranbrook miss scarlet drives a 1946 red lincoln continental and uh professor plum is driving a purple 1949 pontiac streamliner station wagon what the hell? I didn't know that. What the fuck? Yeah. Are you so saying they're all, that they- all arriving in vehicles that match the color of their game piece? I, wow. I didn't know that that uh, that much thought got put in. Well, I, I obviously a lot of thought got put into this movie, but that's like that's like really big detail. Like who would pick up on that? You know? Right. I guess. You know, I guess a different time, like maybe Clue is one of those games like, you know, we have a lot of video games that are classics to us and stuff like that, where we pick up little things when there's cartoons or things mentioned about these things, where somebody that, um, you know, was born at a time where TV or video games actually weren't as big. It would make sense that these little nods to a board game would be put in a movie, which, wow. That's, that's I mean, I guess, a, I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna base a film off of a movie, you're gonna want to cram as much into it to tie them together anyway. Especially, you know, because it, it, it's got to be a pretty daunting task to m- make a story out of a game. 
Yeah. So I'm sure that sure they were trying to just figure out ways to, you know, reward people that were familiar with the material. Well, that and makes I thought that that was just really cool. That is cool. I like I said, I didn't know that. Um, you know, and I even like looked up a lot of facts, and I I'm shocked that that wasn't one of the ones that I I found. Um, it's because I made the whole thing up. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna like uh. Like I was when I said, oh, I was half kidding. But then I'm like, but wait, it's Dan. So he could just be fucking with me the whole time on this one. So and I'm very gullible big time. Like going back and looking at the scenes like, but he is driving a green car. Did he just make this up like watching it and knew what each one of these cars were? That son of a bitch. (laughs) Damn you, Dan. (laughs) so dan as usual with every movie we do and i know what you're gonna say and who you're gonna pick but who would jeff goldblum play yeah that's a strange thing to do tricky one because i really do like this cast so it would be difficult to take you know because i feel like the go-to answer would be like i'd like him to play wadsworth but i don't want to see this movie without tim curry in it um i really like christopher lloyd as well um so i i don't know like i i guess you know, addition by subtraction, looking at the cast as far as main characters without losing any of the 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 actors that I really enjoyed. Um, I'd probably say I'd have him play, I guess, Mr. Body. I actually that's not going to be my choice, but honestly, that's not the choice I thought of. But he I think he would have played that role better. Because yeah. the actor that played Mr. Body, I don't know if it was his acting or anything like that. There was a lot of misdirect with that character where he knew they were going to be there, but then acted like he didn't know they were going to be there. And I just felt like out of the cast, and maybe he was overshadowed by the cast, I felt like his acting didn't really tell you very much about what this character was thinking, who this character were, was, re- even though he was kind of a red herring and... It was kind of a misdirect there, but I I don't know. I, I didn't really believe his character as much. And I honestly agree with you. If Because who wants to replace Christopher Lloyd, Tim Curry? And, but Mr. Body, I feel like he could he would have brought that character out a lot more than Lee Ving. Yeah, I feel like if we were to interject Jeff Goldblum somewhere, that would be the best spot that would actually elevate the movie instead of taking away from it. Whereas, you know, if you lose Tim Curry, yeah, I'm sure Jeff Goldblum would play a great Wadsworth, but it's not going to be the same movie. I'm actually going to disagree with you on that one, um, which will segue into how I, what I feel. I think if, if Jeff Goldblum played Wadsworth, it wouldn't be a good movie. I don't think he would have done a good job as Wadsworth. Okay. Um, I don't think um, Goldblum is that fast pace of an actor. Um, 
I'm sure he is in some things that I maybe haven't seen, but I feel like, uh, you know, the way that Jeff Goldblum talks is kind of slow where. Yeah. Yeah. I think the end scene would have sounded more like a like a rambling tangent than someone putting the pieces together. Yeah. And just like because Tim Curry just owned that. My favorite and not to go off off, but my favorite scene in that part is when he grabs the knife and just puts his whole body into in front of the camera to grab the knife off the, to to explain somebody ran down like the hallway when he picks off the knife off the counter mm-hmm. and just I don't think Tim and Tim Curry's not very what's the word of animated like he is Jeff sorry I feel like Jeff Goldblum's not that animated he is when he talks he talks with his hands but he's kind of a, a stationary animated actor yeah, that's you know? a good point, too. I, I feel like a lot of the physical comedy that Tim Curry pulls off in this wouldn't work with Jeff Goldblum, like the the candlestick falling on the head gag and all that. Um, I feel like it just wouldn't wouldn't land as well. No, not at all. And that was a good gag. I, I really like that. I am yelling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Stop yelling. I'm not yelling. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, the character, though, I do see, and I I think Mr. Plum would be uh, the type of character I think he would do very well at. Because also, don't get me wrong, Christopher Lloyd is great at that part. But at the mm-hmm. same time, and it could be because of my love for Back to the Future, I see him as a different character. Like, even seeing him as a perv, I don't think really worked for Christopher Lloyd. Again, Great character in this. Love Christopher Lloyd. He did an amazing job in this. I don't want to change the cast at all. But if I was to place Jeff Goldblum as a character, I think he would have brought that way better. I think as I'm going off of, you know, who we saw in Jurassic Park of Jeff Goldblum, Mm -hmm. he would he plays a good pervert. He's a creep. (laughs) He's not a creep. Yeah, I could definitely see that. You know, and he's a doctor. He'd play a good doctor. Or I feel like Mr. Plum would be a really good role for him. Hey, maybe they'll recast him as Mr. Plum in the fucking remake. He would have been good as Yvette, too, walking around in that French maid outfit. (laughs) 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 He wouldn't even have a French accent. He'd be like, "Mm." they just give him like fake boobs. (laughs) He's just he'll just say like French like French words instead oh, of monsieur. using a French French action would be like, do you enjoy your croissant? But there won't be a croissant. <laughs> Why were you screaming baguette? <laughs> 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 no accent, no nothing. And if he did <laughs> croissant, they should just have him be like croissant. 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 He, she's so French. wee wee (laughs) wee wee (laughs) so yeah that's who i think jeff goldblum will play and uh yeah um so final thoughts on on this movie dan (laughs) so i definitely enjoyed it like i said uh some of the jokes were a little flat maybe a little dated uh it might have something to do with the movie being 35 years old but a lot of the a lot of the one liners and, and quips and stuff like that were still really clever and funny. So even going into it with a you know, no experience playing the game and never seeing the film before, I still enjoyed a lot of it. Um 
like I said, though, I, I do feel like it's a little dated, uh, but I still wouldn't want to see like a reboot or anything like that. Like, I feel like it's um, for what it is. It's. It's definitely an enjoyable film that I'll, I'll watch again. Um, and yeah, fuck reboots. Fuck them. So what I should actually ask you at the at the before I said final thoughts, but at the same time, no, this is good because I want your final thoughts on this. So saying what you just said, and I think I know what your answer is going to be. Would you say that this movie holds up today? Uh, honestly, I would say it probably doesn't hold up that well just because of some of the like how some of the jokes have aged and stuff like that like i'm sure if they did remake it um a lot of that would have to be revamped so uh i mean it's hard for me to to say if it if it held up because i don't really have anything to to base it on previously um hmm let me maybe this will help you a little bit better so Say someone that might be 10 years younger than you, if they saw this movie today, do you think it would appeal to them? Do you think they would see this and being like, oh, for the first time and being like, oh, I still found this funny. I found the references. Uh, I understood them. You know, I guess that would in a way say it held up today because as somebody that didn't see these when they were younger or is familiar with that type of humor and writing style, because let's face it, folks writing and stuff is a lot different than it was in 1985s movies Mm -hmm. in general, definitely way different than they were at that time. Um, In that aspect, would you say that somebody in their mid twenties would think that this holds up today? Yeah, so if if we're uh, if we're looking at it in in that regard, yeah, I would definitely say it it holds up, um, in the sense that it's still uh, a watchable, funny and enjoyable movie, um, and the the parts that are dated, I mean, that's really kind of unavoidable with a film that is thirty five years old. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's parts of Back to the Future that that were dated that probably wouldn't work out today, so um for for what it is yeah definitely i'd say it it holds up and as someone that looked at it for the first time uh i still enjoyed it so yeah i I, yeah i'd say it holds up all right perfect so first my final thoughts on this aren't as going to be as good as yours you know i'm i'm so blinded with nostalgia and like with this movie this movie was a big part of growing up um on rainy days my mom would put this movie in and we'd watch it together or if I was sick and she stayed home, it was, it was like one of those movies where we, my whole family would watch this movie constantly. So it was just like a go, go to comfort for you. Oh yeah. And you know, even watching it, I just thought of rainy days and sick times and just loving every part of this movie and just laughing with my family. Um, so I'm of course, my final thoughts isn't going to be as good as yours because yours is fresh and that's why I loved it. So I'm just going to say love the cast, love how this is written. Um, you know, I know you said some parts is a drag, but maybe again, it's my blindness of nostalgia. I thought the every beat was awesome. You know, I just love this movie. And but I will say this opposite of what um, 
you said, to me, this movie holds up. To me, this this movie greatly holds up um, for me. But I feel like if you're in a demographic, I feel like the mid-25s and younger might not get this movie as much as we do and might actually find this boring. The whole communist thing that, that might go over their head a little bit. Uh, I guess it depends on how informed they are with society and history and stuff like that. Um, I think... I think being familiar with the board game itself is going to have a big impact on how much you enjoy, enjoy the film, because there were a lot of things that I didn't get when I was watching it. And now that I look, looked into it a little bit more and researched it, I was like, Oh wow, they put a lot of thought into the film that I really appreciate. Um, But without getting some of those inside jokes and, and nods and things like that, uh, it, it definitely detracts a little bit. And see, that actually brings it. I'm glad you brought that up because that actually helps me get into my next point, which is, you know, growing up and and from you, too. And I've talked to other people. Clue wasn't really when I was growing up that huge household game. Uh, I played it more when my brother was, I think, late middle school or in high school when he got that Simpsons clue on it. And we played it then Monopoly and like shoots and ladders and. Guess who and who wake daddy were more of the games that I played. No, don't wake daddy. Not who woke daddy um, were kind of those games. But I, I I don't know if, you know, kids really even know what Clue is. I don't even know if it's still like a popular game. I could see of them doing some reinvented versions of Clue. But I, I just feel like, you know, not a lot of people played, which goes into what you said. You know, you familiar yourself familiarized yourself with the game and you kind of understood a lot of stuff that they added in the movie. I wouldn't even be surprised if somebody in their early mid twenties sees this. And then it's just like, Oh, this is based off of a, a board game. Hell, I wouldn't even be surprised if they said, Oh, that computer game. They had us play in like computer class when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't think they'd have, schools play a game about who murdered somebody but who done it <laughs> where they done it and what they've done it with yep <laughs> it's all about figuring out um i don't know did uh <laughs> direction and investigation <laughs> so i guess that comes to the end of our episode dan i love this movie um I don't know if you loved it, but I, 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 it made me, I'm glad you liked it. And I was really looking forward to hearing what you thought about it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't say I loved it. It's not going to be like in my top 10 list of favorite movies or anything like that. Um, but it was a nice way to spend an afternoon. I definitely enjoyed it and got some laughs. Yes. And you know, you don't have to put this in this podcast, but for my other podcast, I've been watching really terrible movies and it was really nice to just, oh my God, it was like a brush, breath of fresh air to just <laughs> watch this fucking movie. And it was like, oh yeah, I don't feel like I want to rush through this movie. I'm not checking the time constantly wondering when this is over and please, does somebody have a gun so I could put a bullet in my head? Well, there is a gun in this movie, but I didn't want it. So, yeah, I actually took a, a different approach 
uh, to taking notes for this than I usually do. Like usually I take notes the whole time I'm watching the the film and kind of stop and go and and things like that. But since I'd never seen it, I really only jotted down a few reactions that I had during the movie and then did most of my research and, and note taking afterwards because I wanted to really take it all in since I had no uh, like baseline for the film before this. I'm glad you did that because I I feel like you wouldn't have appreciated the movie as much if you weren't paying that much attention to it. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too when I because the, there's there's a lot going on. Or if you're uh, picking it apart too, you're, you're gonna yeah. And there's there's a lot of subtlety that you're not gonna notice if you're staring at a notebook half the time. Yes. Um, one other thing that I want to say about this movie is I really like the soundtrack. The opening music I felt like it it fit really well for. Uh, for the, you know, the the theme that they were going for. And, um, you know, even though, like I said, I'm not really familiar with the the source material or anything, source material or anything like that, it definitely, um, it felt right to me. You know what I mean? It felt true to what, what I think Clue would sound like, I guess I'd say. Oh yeah. The, the, the score and everything in this was great. Like the background and everything like that. It did. Mm-hmm. You know, it set up each scene properly when, you know, it was perfect when something was revealed and you got like the change in the music. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. But again, I got I got nostalgia goggles on. So anything you say about this movie, Dan, I'm going to be like, fuck, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this movie is fucking awesome. And anybody that disagrees with me, come fight me. Come fight me, guys. Bring it. Please don't come fight me. Please don't find me. (laughs) Next episode will be live from the hospital. (laughs) I'm Andrew Gonzalez with my wire shut, my mouth shut with wires. (laughs) Um, No, it'll be like, and here's my co-host, Andrew. And then you just hear like, beep, beep. (laughs) 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 <laughs> i know we mentioned in a previous episode and dan may have cut it but we were supposed to do who framed roger rabbit and unfortunately we've been having some scheduling issues with a friend of ours that i really wanted and i made a fancy image but i'm gonna get over it um and i think since we've been doing kind of a christopher lloyd um streak i'd hate to end it so if you're okay with it, because I know you've been dying to do it, and if Joe can't do it, too fucking bad. Let's get this train moving. Let's get this rolling, buddy. Let's do Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I would love that. I am 100% ready to go for that. That is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I would love to talk about it. So Dan and I don't really want you guys to always have to pay for these movies when you're going to watch them with us. So we're going to try our best to find ways you can watch these movies for movies for free. And luckily for you, you can watch this on Disney Plus for free. Well, you know, Disney Plus isn't free. But <laughs> If you're already paying for Disney Plus, if it's you're free. already paying for Disney Plus, you can find Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Unfortunately, if you don't have Disney Plus, don't want Disney Plus, 
You can also rent it on Amazon for $3.99 for HD or, you know, the regular low-res version for $2.99. I'm, I'm just going to encourage people to go out and buy it because it's that good. I'm Andrew Gonzalez. Oh, wait. I am Andrew Wadsworth Gonzalez. And as usual, here was my co-host. I'm just Dan Sullivan now. <gasps> what happened to Mr. Mustard? I mean, Colonel Mustard. Fuck! <laughs> Mr. Mr. Mustard. <laughs> it's me, Mr. Mustard. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week with Who Framed Roger Rapid. Bye, bitches! Bye-bye! Wait, don't go anywhere! We have a special announcement. I know we said we're going to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit next week, but we recorded this way in advance. And the way we're recording right now, by the time the next episode releases, it'll be October, the month of Halloween. So Dan and I decided to release our Halloween episodes, which we recently recorded. Which the first one we're going to discuss is Poltergeist. Another announcement? After our first Halloween episode, we will start releasing episodes bi-weekly. So make sure to tune in next week for our very first spooky episode where we discuss 1982's Poltergeist.